From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we get back together after our yearly trip break to talk about losing. America lost to Europe for the first time since 1812, the Browns lost a game, and the Guards lost a bunch. Yuck. We also talk NFL Week 4 and fall hot shots before heading off the field for a grab bag of random topics. I am joined tonight by two of the best ever, my co-hosts, Phil Denko and Chuck Rambaldo's iPhone are here. Fellas, <laughs> do you ever wish certain things were different? Uh, yes, I sure do. <laughs> Uh, on a daily basis, sometimes <laughs> moment to moment, depending on the day. I felt it a lot after today's Browns game. Why don't we just go ahead and get into it? Skid marks our weekly look at the Browns road to the Super Bowl. I don't know. We were resting last week when the Browns dominated the Tennessee Titans, but we were back this week for an all too familiar ass kicking from the Ravens. The shorthanded Browns got trounced by Baltimore, and they head into the all-of-a-sudden really necessary Week 5 bye at 2-2 two and two in a second-place tie in the division. Give me your 60, your 60-second take on today's Browns-Ravens game. I'll do my best here because it felt like the coaching staff fully expected Watson to play, and it seemed like that game script was to come out passing with deeper routes, and there was no way DTR was going to be comfortable so you just kind of saw him forcing the ball a lot. And what do you expect from a fifth-round rookie whose first game is against a divisional opponent who constantly has good defenses? Elijah Moore, below average. Jed Willis sucks. Defensive back, safeties. <laughs> too worried about Jackson running out, same with wide receivers. There's so many missed tackles. The best defense in the league sure looked a little soft today. But let me just digress and, and talk about Coach Stefanski for a second. Because – this shit for brains had a rookie making his first start. <laughs> and instead of quick passes or screens or slants or RPOs, this poor bastard looked like he was taking 20 step drops and getting his ass handed to him on every play. Cause coach kept dialing up deep balls. And we saw this shit with Baker Mayfield. We seen it with Deshaun Watson up until last week. And I'm just guessing at this level, you maybe should structure play calls for the talent on the field and, caress their physical gifts and i didn't see a whole lot of that today um and and for all of the bitching we did about an early bye week it sure seems like it's right on time now uh maybe people get healthy or whatever because you come back against the big boy niners team and you win that and maybe i'll believe this team has a chance to win the al central because doesn't it feel like that with this division like i don't know if the teams <laughs> are good like they're up and down sometimes they look great sometimes they look like shit but who knows who's really good right now uh, except maybe the Ravens. Caressing his natural gifts sounds like something that happens around here on Saturday <laughs> night, man. I like it. I think that's what got Watson into trouble. <laughs> oh, too, soon. too soon. I, I, mean, I think no. we got to cut that. I think we got to no, no. cut that. I don't know. Chuck did an awesome job there, and I, I feel his pain for sure. I, I, I commented in the game, this felt like last year's iteration of the Cleveland Browns um, on both sides of the ball, except for the fact that Chuck alluded to why, why weren't we running the offense like Jacoby Brissett was the quarterback when DTR was back there, where, where we were relying heavily on good run blocking, you know, kind of chipping away at the other team. I'm not impressed with Baltimore. I, I'm not impressed with anyone that we've faced so far in our division, to be honest. 
it just our offense was going nowhere because of the play calling and the inexperience at quarterback. Uh, you saw that from early on. Our defense looked good in spurts. To start the game, they were fast and they were getting to the ball and they were forcing three and outs. And then they couldn't stop the run all of a sudden for way too long uh, a period in the in the game. And that's what felt like 2022 to me was the defense inability to stop the run. And they just got gouged on one long drive <clears throat> and then and then held the, again, held the team to almost nothing in the third quarter. But our offense was already screwed. So it was a weird game. It felt like old old school Browns to me. It was a it was a feeling of ineptitude, bad play calling, not the talent in the right positions to win a game in the NFL. I don't know if I'm as down on this as you guys are because I feel a little bit like this is another one of those games where it's kind of hard to judge the team as a whole because you didn't have Watson. And so the offense was terrible. And I think Chuck's right. It, it seemed like all expectation was that he was going to play and that the last minute he's not. And I get that that can be challenging for a staff to restructure the play calling when you've got to change the quarterback like that. But regardless, the offense was going to be weakened significantly, not having Watson. The defense gets worn down because it's playing almost the entire first half. And is this a game where you get, to, you just toss it up to bad circumstances and bad luck because of the way that injury played out. And my only problem with that is we just did it two weeks ago with the Steelers uh, and they're not going to be successful if every two weeks they suck. They have to do something better than this. I don't think that the play calling where there's plenty to complain about, in the end, I don't think it made a difference. The, the offense was not putting up three touchdowns, and the way the offense was putting the defense into bad situations, even a great defense wasn't going to stop the Ravens from scoring three touchdowns. Once Watson's off the field, I don't think they're winning this game. And I think the worst part about it is, how it went down because it felt awful. But in the end, it's it's just a loss that you take because your franchise quarterback doesn't play in the game, and that's all maybe you can really say about it. But people are going to be saying other things, so why don't we dive into our weekly <laughs> look at Browns fan psychology. Uh, getting beat by the Ravens is not new. Getting beaten badly by the Ravens is not new. But this year was supposed to be different. Where are the Browns fans and their feelings and emotions right now? I think going into a much needed early season bye week, their their emotions are are pretty bad. They're they're probably assuming that Watson's going to be out for the next six to eight weeks for some reason. And now we've got to roll forward with DTR as our quarterback without our starting running back and, and these kind of things. So I would imagine the knee-jerk reaction is, oh, here we go, same old Browns. I don't think I'm there yet, but I think Browns Nation probably is today. I would think there should be some more police monitoring of the I-480 bridge, because I think a lot of people are thinking about jumping after this loss. Jeez. Chuck is in a dark mood tonight. No, Holy I'm, you I'm had not, a hard weekend, buddy. <laughs> no, yeah, well, yes, but it's not, it's not, and it's not reflective of the loss. It's almost feel like I said, this almost felt like a scheduled loss. Once Deshaun Watson was not playing, there's no way they're going to beat this team. And you 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 said that, Gerbin, and you're absolutely right. Maybe I should have prefaced that. My biggest issue, again, was with some of the play calling. You can't expect a fifth-round rookie to play at the level of Deshaun Watson against that defense. I think most fans tomorrow, Phil will probably tell us if he listens to radio, will be bitching that the front office traded away Josh Dobbs and he probably could have won this game. And that's probably not true. 
I don't know <laughs> if anybody wins. I don't know if anybody wins this game. Um, but most normalish fans like us, we're going into the bye week two and two. We've had our best overall player out for the season. Our stud quarterback is hurt, and a bunch of guys got banged up today. So hopefully everybody takes next Sunday gets outside with the family, maybe rake some leaves, I don't know, do some yard work, Indian summer's coming, whatever, uh, and, and come back, and if they get smoked by the Niners, then we're in real trouble, at least mentally as a fan base. But overall, I think 80% of the fan base is ready to kick their dog after that game or scream outside or jump off the 480 bridge. I think you have to call it guardian summer now. Yeah, I'm not Guardian sure about summer. that. Some, someone's going to have to look into <laughs> that. I'm not right. sure you're allowed to call it Indian summer anymore. <laughs> not, not this year. <laughs> I, I think that the overall feeling is going to be, and, and hopefully it will change as the week goes on, but even I, who was trying so hard to stay positive and to look at this as being a different Browns team this year, you know, the whole, like, pass doesn't dictate you know, present performance, even I was a little bit shaken by today and thinking like, oh, here we go, man. It's just, we can't beat the Baltimore Ravens. We can't beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is no matter what we do, we're still the same kind of lousy, crappy Browns. And and hopefully that's just because we're so close to the loss and it was kind of an ugly and painful one. And hopefully that shakes out and gets a little bit better as the week goes on. But even I'm feeling a little bit like, this sucks. And if Watson's hurt long-term, well, oh boy, are we in trouble. That's going to be bad. All right. How about how about we try to find something good? Who is your MVB, your most valuable Brown for the game? He didn't play, uh, but they honored Joe Thomas today, and it felt like a Joe Thomas era team. <laughs> it yeah. felt like a Joe to, It felt like that maybe today. But honestly, um, I, I, maybe Najoku, the guy burned his hands and face and parts of his body and came out and had the most receptions he's had all season. Uh, not that it was great or anything, but in a, in a, in a tough week to find anybody who did really well, uh, just because he saw some volume, I guess I'll give it to him. Yeah. I, I think well-deserved for Najoku. I mean, he played after burning himself. That's, that's impressive, I guess. Um, I'm going to give it to JOK on, on defense. So it's hard for me to find, someone on both sides of the ball and I wrote down David Njoku and JOK. So I'll take JOK. Um, he, he looked fast today. He did. He looked like the player we thought we were getting in that guy. And he was all over the field. He had, um, he had like seven or eight tackles and two for loss. And it just, it seemed at times he was a bit of a difference maker in his speed. His speed was on display, but again, hard to find an MVP MVB, sorry, in today's game. You guys are looking in all the wrong places. Cody Bajorquez, <laughs> oh, eight yeah. punts for 373 yards, man. Wow. That's a uh, lot of kicking. A lot of good field position controlled by Cody Bajorquez today. Well done. All right, why don't we move on? This is probably not going to be a positive subject. How about our Browns bets this week? None of us have won any Gerbucks this week. We just continue to lose. Did anybody win one? Not this week. I lost another 10,000 Gerbucks. I need I needed a lot to happen. I needed the Browns to win, Ford to rush for over fifty three yards, and Miles Garrett to have a sack. So Miles got his sack. All right, <laughs> one out of three ain't bad, Chuck. I, I lost ten thousand more Gerbucks. I should have known last night when I was looking at prop bets that anything Deshaun Watson related was off the board. He did not show up last night, so I yeah. guess they knew he wasn't playing before the Browns knew. Uh, but I thought 
uh, even then I didn't, I had no idea. So I took uh, Jerome Ford score a touchdown on the Browns to win. And it was like plus 210. I'm like, I can get back in this Gerbuck game, but nope. <laughs> I tried to be conservative this time. I took the Browns and the points. I got 11 and a half points and Jerome Ford to score a touchdown anytime. Plus 145. I'm like, this will get me off the schneid a little bit. At least it'll get me winning again. Nope. Didn't happen. Not even close. All right. Next week, Browns are getting their rest. They're on their bye week. We are going to probably still talk some about the Browns next week, but we'll see what happens. Let's move on from the Baltimore loss. Let's talk Guardians. Our Guardians final week cap. Our look at the last week of the Guardians baseball season. Guards ended a losing season with a whimper in their final week, losing three of five, including the season finale today in Detroit. The end is especially hard this season as Terry Francona's time as a team manager comes to an end after 11 seasons. What is your favorite Francona memory from his time as the Guardians manager? It's hard for me to to come up with one distinct memory, and I think that is what I liked about Tito. Tito was that guy that guided this franchise, was never too high, never too low, and guided them through probably top to bottom the best 11 years of Cleveland baseball that we've seen in our lifetime for that stretch of time anyway, you know. I, you know, I thought about the playoff run in two, 2016, like that was amazing. Like the way they were a good team, they got in the playoffs, swept his old team, in the Red Sox and then beat a good Blue Jays team. And, you know, you end up, you end up in that fantasy level. You can't make this up type world series where it's the Cubs versus the then Indians. Right. And uh, unfortunately we came up on the losing end, but I think overall, what I really liked about Tito was his, he was just a winner and he changed the culture in this town for that length of time. He was here. He got a lot out of, out of young kids that I don't think we expected to see that kind of production out of for 11 years. I'm with Phil. It's kind of, it was kind of tough to pick one through 11 years and an ungodly amount of wins. Um, but maybe it was like the year one thing, because I know they, they, they acquired some actual talent, but 24 more wins than the season before that. Uh, and it kind of set the tone of we should expect out of him. But my favorite thing probably is that he felt like one of us. He chose to come to Cleveland, knowing the limitations of a small market team, exceeded expectations in every way, passionate and fiery, but also goofy at times. It made me laugh. Uh, like, I love that he rode his scooter around downtown like yeah. it was no big deal. Uh, and the truth is, he's the best manager of our lifetime for this franchise so far, man. Uh, and I tried, like, imagine what he could have did with those 90 teams because it always felt like he overachieved here. And it's not just on him. The front office deserves a lot of credit here, too, for making it work for this long and being super competitive um, in, in, a, in a small market with limited budget. But overall, like, just like he felt like one of us and that he got got the city, understood what the city was about and, and how he should react to it and kept that clubhouse always together. Never heard problems that, that kind of sprung up there. So I'm going to miss that dude, man. I, I, I know he'll probably have some role once he gets healthy here, but I, I think we had it really good for a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this is, you know, like this is a really important hire for where this franchise is heading. It's funny that we all kind of circle around the same few things. Like one of mine was the idea that he picked Cleveland at the time. This is a guy that had won multiple world series. Everybody knew he was an incredible manager and he chose to come here. And that was something that I think we probably have forgotten a little bit because he's been here for so long. Like what a big deal it was to get Terry Francona as our manager. And the other, like really my favorite thing, I think 
was the way he revolutionized how to handle a bullpen in playoff series in those 2016 series against the Red Sox and the Blue Jays and the Cubs and how they just kind of ran out of steam because so many of the pitchers had gotten hurt when he had his guys doing his thing and he was bringing in Andrew Miller in like a high leverage situation in the fifth inning and, and taking over a game that way. That was really cool. And that was really fun to watch. And I'm like that, that'll always be a great memory, man, that he made that run when the starting pitching, especially had taken some hits. Very, very sad to see Terry go, man, an amazing run in Cleveland. Very grateful for all of his time and his attitude and, and the wins that he got on that field. And, you know, hopefully he gets healthy and comes back and like works in the front office or something like that. That'd be fantastic. But on that finally positive note, we're going to take our first break. We're going to come back. We're going to hit the road, talk the NFL and some other stuff. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We'll head out on the road, and we'll start in our NFL Winnebago. Still working on titles for this one. Our weekly ride around the NFL, and let's start with some Coach Campbell soup for the soul. What was better, the Lions' Thursday night win over the Packers or the f***-laden victory speech from Dan Campbell that night? I didn't see that. That's weird. I'm, I'm, I'm typically tuned in to what Coach Campbell's saying, so I'm just going to go with the win uh, on Thursday night. I didn't see it, but how many f***s came out of his mouth? All of them. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> We're all about stacking W's in the in the NFL, and, and the Lions are our second favorite team, right? So I'll go with the win as well. I uh, I also missed Coach Campbell's. Damn it. Oh, oh. you got to go look this up. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It's good. It's good. Uh, he ends it basically by saying that he's going to go drink some beer. It's pretty fantastic. Nice. It's exactly on brand for Coach Campbell. Overreaction, underreaction, perfect reaction. I don't think anybody else is catching the Lions in the NFC North. Man, that might be the perfect reaction. Kind of in the middle, like they're they've got a th they're three and one. I wanted to say overreaction, but I don't know. You might be onto something. Is that a different segment? <laughs> no, it's the same idea generally. Right. Right. <laughs> am I wrong or am I right? Am I a fool or not? I'm going to say the, that's the, the perfect reaction, uh, unless Minnesota somehow rates the ship. I know it's still early, but Green Bay doesn't look all that great. Chicago, I thought they were winning, but your Denver Broncos beat them today. Uh, we're going to get to it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think that's that's the perfect reaction. Uh, they should run away with this division. I still think it might be a slight overreaction. Like, Green Bay may actually be okay. And, and the Vikings, there's a lot of talent there. I would think that they would be better. But right now, you could just as easily say all those teams are lost, and so the Lions are running away with it. We'll see. That would be an amazing story in this year's NFL season if the, if the Lions can dominate that division for the year. Why don't we move on? We'll go to the best win of the day in the NFL. The Denver Broncos, as Chuck mentioned, seriously overcame a 28-7 deficit in the second half against the Bears and won that game. Next one, Eagles kicked a 54-yard field goal in overtime to win and stay undefeated. Next one, Tampa Bay Buccaneers behind three touchdown passes from Baker Mayfield, win in New Orleans, and are in sole possession of first place in the surprisingly tough NFC South. 
Last one, Dallas bounces back from a surprising loss last week to Arizona to absolutely cream the New England Patriots. Biggest win of the day. Yeah, I'm going with the, the Broncos. <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought the Bears, just seeing stats like leading up to it, I had no clue they won until a little later in the afternoon, but the Broncos are a second-half team, baby, so maybe they're a second-half of the season team. They start rolling, but obviously not. It's a real shitty game, and somebody had to win it, so I'll go with the Broncos. Before I get to you, Phil, should we add the Jets beating the Chiefs tonight? It's 20-20 <laughs> to 20 in the third quarter. Go ahead. Of, of those options, I think the biggest win, and I'm going to base this in importance, I think, is the Cowboys because the Eagles ended up remaining undefeated. And if the Cowboys dropped that game, they would drop another game behind the division leading Eagles in a tough division. Whereas Tampa Bay's win, like that division's terrible. Uh, Tampa may, Bay might be running away with that division. Shit out the fucking ears. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm impressed with our boy Baker and he's got that team at three and one, but they might be the lions of that division and just run away with it now. Whereas I think if Dallas has any hope of, of staying in, in kind of lockstep with Philadelphia, they had to win today and they did. I'm going with the Eagles. Every great team is going to have kind of those bummer games where they don't play as well as you expect them to or you know they're not performing well and they lose a game and I think the Eagles just won that bummer game that they should have lost uh, because they were down almost the entire game uh, to Washington came back and won it stay undefeated Uh, that that was pretty impressive I think even though Washington is kind of lousy but I think overall it's a big win for them for exactly kind of what you're talking about, Phil, it keeps them ahead of Dallas and what is probably going to be a pretty good fight for that division. Let's move over to the AFC South, where every team is currently two and two, the Colts, <laughs> the Texans, the Jags, and the Titans. If you had to pick one right now, that's going to pull away in that division. Who would it be? Oh, pull away. I think all four teams are going to end up eight and nine <laughs> is what I think is going to happen. <laughs> sure. Uh, you got to so, pick one. No. Yeah. All right. If I had to pull pick one, that's going to pull away. I'm going to, I'm going to base this on quarterback alone and say it's the Jacksonville Jaguars might pull away because they've got the quarterback. Phil's probably right. And that's probably who I would go with as well. But watching some of that Houston game today, they look okay. Like they look like they're getting better. Uh, every week and uh, some really creative play calling that kind of structures around their quarterback's talents was nice to see today. Um, but yeah, it's, it's probably Jacksonville. I don't want to say Tennessee, even though they're always there. I'm sick of those bastards. So I'm going with Jacksonville, I guess. We're all kind of in the same place here. I'm going with Jacksonville too, but I don't love it, but it's in large part because we watched the Titans play against the Browns. There's nothing on that team that you can trust is going to make a move. Texans still seem too young, and I just don't know if the Colts make any sense to me anymore. Like, it, maybe their their rookie quarterback is really good, but I don't know what else is there, and they never solved this running back issue, and I don't know. So I guess by default, it's the Jags getting themselves ahead. All right, so right now, who's the best team in the AFC? Uh, the Buffalo Bills. Manfield's Super Bowl pick from the AFC to the Miami Dolphins. Sexy, shiny, new offense, but they don't really play defense, and Buffalo does, apparently. <laughs> so uh, it looked like it was going to be a shootout, then all of a sudden the Bills just dominated them. So just on today's game alone, I'm going to say the Bills. I think it is the Buffalo Bills. 
not only in the head-to-head matchup from today, but I think they they kind of laid an egg in week one. They are have been playing pissed off since and have completely turned it around already. <laughs> like now they're three and one, you know, in a, in a week four matchup that is, again, uh, between two of the better teams, at least the better offenses in all of football, and, and the Bills dominated a bit today. So I'm going to go with Buffalo. Three for three. I'm going with the Bills too. And it's starting to look like there might be at least this early in the year, some separation. Like they looked a lot better than the Dolphins today for exactly what Chuck is saying, man. You got to be able to play at least a little bit of defense and maybe Miami can't. I think they're adding some distance with the Chiefs too because the Chiefs do not look like a dominant football team right now. I think it's the Bills. Go to the other side. Who's the best team in the NFC right now? Uh, The San Francisco 49ers. They seem to be... Amazingly, because they have found a starting quarterback in the in in Brock Purdy, right? Like the last guy drafted. How did that happen? But they seem to be the most complete top to bottom. Their offense is full of weapons and their defense is something I think the Browns defense is kind of aspiring to this season. So conveniently, we play them next. (laughs) I'm going to go with the, the Niners as well. Only because they haven't, in in four games in, they haven't been up and down. The Eagles have, and it seems like the Niners are just built to win and roll. So right now, four weeks in, they're the best team in the NFC. I think I'm going to stick with the Eagles still. Uh, I think I might have picked the Seahawks to go to the Super Bowl. That was a bad idea. Um, I think (laughs) we're going to cover that next week. But I think it all comes down to they're both really good teams. I think I trust Jalen Hurts more than I do Brock Purdy. I'm kind of waiting for Brock Purdy's slipper to come off or whatever the Cinderella line would be. I I can't really remember too much from that thing. You guys have younger kids than I do. You must be reading them Cinderella. Anyway, (laughs) glass slipper is going to come off and, you know, he's going to lose his magic a little bit. So I guess that's why I'd stick with the Eagles. But next week, what non-Browns, non-Cleveland game are you looking forward to in the NFL? I am looking forward to exactly one week from right now the sunday night game the the dallas cowboys and at san francisco for reasons beyond the fact that it's two of the best teams in the nfc locking uh up against each other that night as uh it's the team the browns play next so i would like to see it be a very physical exhausting game in san fran i don't particularly care who wins it you know at cowboys 49ers i just want it to be really really exhausting for that 49ers team as they <laughs> then get on a plane to cross the country to come to cleveland I hope they add in for that one game like college overtime mm-hmm. and they can go into something like eight overtime periods. Just keep back playing. And forth just, keep playing. just keep playing yeah, all yeah. night. Then like the plane doesn't work right. So they can't fly <laughs> home. Like all, Everything like that needs to happen. It's the same game. It's Cowboys Niners. The best defense, arguably with the Cowboys against a really good offense and a really two really complete teams uh, on a Sunday night matchup, which uh, this early in the season is going to be nice to see. Great that the Niners play the Browns next, but ultimately I just want to watch it as a fan of football first and, and see two really good teams in prime time on a Sunday night go after it. Yeah, as a fan of football, I picked my non-Browns game as well, and I almost went with Giants at the Dolphins because after what happened this week, there's a chance the Dolphins score 80 next week against <laughs> New York, but I couldn't get past the Jets versus the Broncos. Which, you know, all of a sudden doesn't seem like as good a game right now as the Jets are giving the Chiefs everything they can handle. My thought was, gosh, if the Broncos win, what a great opportunity to get their hopes up because they've won two in a row at that point. 
And then their next three opponents are the Chiefs twice, the Packers, and the Bills, which will immediately bring the Broncos back down to earth. So um, I'm looking at Jets-Broncos next week as the game I'm looking forward to seeing the most. But why don't we move away from the NFL? Why don't we jump into our pumpkin spice fall hot shots, our hot takes from around the sports world? And we'll start with football. The USFL and the XFL are merging and combining their two bad leagues into one much bigger bad league. Scale of one to five. One being news that we are just given a fifth year of eligibility for high school baseball. Five being the news that a third spring pro football league is forming. How good is the news that the USFL and XFL are merging? Is the eligibility for us right now at 46 or are we just 18? (laughs) No, it's, it's it's right now. Um, I'm I'm still gonna go all the way to five. Like you come out with that news week four at NFL, and literally no one cares. Um, and no one would have cared if they said Christmas morning or uh, in January or something. Nobody cares. But ultimately, two shitty leagues combining, I guess, could get less shitty. I, I don't know. Are they gonna combine teams? Are we gonna get like forty teams, forty shitty teams now that? We're going to have to watch or not watch. The details haven't been released yet, but um, oh, I got to think there's not going to be 40 teams. <laughs> I got to think the Rock's losing money on this deal. So, yeah, it's a, it's a five. I'll let Phil go to the Tom Burke seven. Oh, damn it. I was about to say it's a Burke seven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's a five out of five on that scale. This is uh, – everything's fine. This Whatever. This is a minor league football system of two, two shitty – organizations coming together i'm just looking forward to see what they name it is like the usfxl or some crazy like whatever and and i'm sure we'll have to pick teams and and you know place bets on them eventually so it'll be fun for the show you guys are looking at this all wrong this is a one this is great news there's one less shitty football league to look at oh, yeah, they, they just that's they just eliminated point. bad football man this that's is great point. yeah I'm, I'm a one on that one all right moving on let's talk a little golf the Ryder Cup was this weekend in Italy. Team USA got thumped 4-0 on the first morning and was never really in it again. There were also some issues with hat tipping in the crowd. I don't know. I didn't really follow it that closely. So who got beaten down worse, Team USA or Apollo Creed in the Drago fight? Oh, jeez. Well, I don't think anybody from Team USA died on the course. So <laughs> I'm going to go with, with Apollo Creed there. He, he didn't. He never saw another day where these guys are going to wake up in their nice homes tomorrow and be just fine. Yeah, that's a rough scale, man. Like that, <laughs> that man died yeah, that in the d- ring. Yeah. <laughs> Rocky wouldn't throw the towel in. He wanted to so bad. Like, oh, my God, just awful. I don't even like thinking about it. So um, I think Apollo had the rougher day. Um, <laughs> yeah. Forget these golfers. They'll be just fine making millions and billions of dollars. The the. I, I saw a caddy try to start a fight. Like that was interesting. Um, that's yeah. all I saw. From yeah. it. That was it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Moving on. Let's talk some NBA. The Portland Trailblazers are trying to f- the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> Portland <laughs> traded Dame Lillard to the Bucks. In return, they got Drew Holiday, who they then just turned around and traded to the Celtics. Bucks and Celtics both finished ahead of the Cavs in the East. After these trades, can the Cavs get up into? that top three in the East this year. I think they can get into the top three if they land in the third position. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's that's kind of the ceiling, I think. And, and who knows? In a playoff series, uh, let's let's roll. But yeah, they can get in the top three at three. 
Can I reserve the right to see what move the Sixers may make here before the season starts? Because it feels like they're going to do something. Can they? Yeah. This is real shitty what happened this week for the Cavs. Yeah, because two teams got much better and the Cavs did not. So they can, but I'd worry about maybe the Sixers as a three or the Heat if the Heat makes some sort of move. But hope springs eternal, man. So I'm going to say they can get to be a top three team. I I think they definitely can. I I don't know what move is going to be out there for the 76ers. Uh, That that seems like a really tough spot for them to be in because I think they'd want to move James Harden, and I don't think anybody wants James Harden. Uh, It's a shame that these two teams definitely got better, and I think we just got to cross our fingers and hope that the young players on the Cavs continue to improve and so they can make – they can make gains there where they couldn't necessarily in like a big free agent signing. I guess the other things I would think of too, is that I think Dame Lillard is a really, really bad defensive player. Uh, So that may, that may ultimately be an issue for the bucks as they're going through, especially when they get into the playoffs. As he's scoring 50 points. (laughs) That's That's a huge issue. Yeah. Yeah. They might be, they might be winning 151 49 a lot in the playoffs. We'll see. I don't know. I am excited that we are getting really close to getting to start talking about Cavs basketball again, because that's a lot of fun. But, fellas, we are going to close this up here. We're going to take our final break, come back, head off the field for a grab bag. Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We'll head off the field and welcome to another From the Land grab bag. All the topics, all night long. Let's get started. A recent study shows that every beer you drink over the recommended one a day cuts your lifespan by 15 minutes. How much life do you think you gave up on the yearly trip last weekend? 15 years. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say 10 only because I didn't didn't get crazy too much but yeah i'm gonna say a good 10 years i don't know this scale kind of bothers me because it's only focused on beer like what happened with the bourbon that we drank and what happened about some of the other substances that people consumed (laughs) like those aren't cutting years off or it's just the beer what happens when you combine them i don't know science needs to work on this a lot better for us why don't we move on we'll talk a little tv denko was right several weeks ago when he let us know that winning time had ended as a series. So scale of one to five, one being Forrest Gump, five being Oppenheimer. How dumb is it to end a show called Winning Time with the Lakers losing in the finals? <laughs> How dumb is it? <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming five is bad. I don't. Oppenheimer's Forrest really Gump smart. is really dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Oppenheimer is... oh. created the atomic bomb. Oh, yeah, Jeez, that, this smart. was the easiest yeah. scale of the year. Was it? I'm gonna I'm gonna say a, a one. Only because, you know, Phil kind of gave us the, the precursor and I watched it. And if it's called winning time, you can't end the series losing. It makes no sense to me. Uh, so I'll, I'll say it's, it's a one and an utter disappointment in how they wrapped it up at the end. Yeah, it's a one. It was really stupid. Like it, I guess technically they ended by telling you all the wins they got in the coming six years of NBA yeah. play, but you didn't get to see any of it. Stupid is as stupid does. This is a one. What a what a sad ending to this show. Do you think the show was a victim of the writer's strike? Or are we the only ones who liked it and this show just needed to be canceled? 
there's a good chance it's the latter there because what I read was their viewership was so poor. They just canceled the show. <laughs> they had three people watching it in the Midwest and that was it. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know the viewership got cut in half from season one to season two, but like I use my wife as a barometer. She liked that show. Like she, she watched it and enjoyed it. So it, it kind of didn't just play to our demo who, who lived through most of that. Um, but, but ultimately HBO doesn't really miss and it was a good show, but big picture it missed if after two seasons they packed it in so if more people didn't like it obviously than those three of us who did what were we missing as as i think three guys who are pretty good at you know judging tv movies music when they come out um how did we swing and miss so bad on winning time thinking it was great because we we love sports and not everybody does even if this is somewhat made up i mean like the the bones were there about what really happened but it was entertainment and it was entertaining that's why i thought it could appeal to more than just the sports audience it was it was entertaining and the basketball other than little dr j was was pretty much right on like it was believable <laughs> it was it was believable basketball but maybe uh if they would have focused more on maybe los angeles in that time period not the team but the city and the culture and you know like maybe that appeals to more people there you know like if they showed that side of it a little more other than just the forum club every three episodes what happened in the city <laughs> but but you know but but like ultimately we love sports and we'll pretty much watch anything sporting related whether it's a documentary or an actual game or a tv show about it and and maybe people just don't share that love like we do Boy, I don't know, man. I feel like a lot of people really like sports. This is why it's on 24 hours a day. I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't really know what we swung and missed at. I, other than like the sports is the draw. Like we so there's a lot of people in our country in our demo, right? There's a lot. There's a lot of those people yeah. that live this as well. So I think for it to take off again, it was how many like to Chuck's point, how many people got interested in the show that wouldn't have been interested otherwise. How many people are married to people like us or how many, you know, those kind of things. Like, and, then, and they, they, I, two people are married to people yeah, like us. It's interesting. Uh -huh. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. Like it's interesting to see that like someone like Whitney liked it. That's a good sign. You would think like, all right, she, that's, that's a good barometer right there. Right. Like if she liked it, it was good. It was entertaining. This is not something she lived through or can remember. And, you know, I don't know. So it's hard to say what we, well, we missed that. Um, like I, I pair it up against like Righteous Gemstones, which is another hit on HBO, right? Like that's something sports got me into the winning time. And I thought it was really well done. I laughed a lot. It was fun. It was good. Righteous Gemstones, like we all know my love for religion. I mean, that's what got me into that show. <laughs> but uh, it's so I don't know, like maybe maybe it's the comedy above the drama is a bigger draw I, I, or, or if it's going to be a drama, it can't be a dramedy. It's got to be like, go all the way to, no. to game of Thrones. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I really like the show. I was really disappointed. They canceled. it. I think we love sports. I think that the Showtime Lakers are a, a big part of us growing up and becoming sports fans. And I guess maybe we didn't care that it was probably like not written real well and really kind of like unbelievable <laughs> and all these characters were actually like caricatures of the real people rather than you know like something close to resembling 
or based on the real people. Maybe that's why. I don't know. I would have gladly sat through another season of that show without thinking twice. Did you, like me, I know when this season ended, I cared more about the Celtics than the Lakers this season. Was I the only one who felt that way? Like, I thought they did such a – like, they tried to villainize Bird, and I ended up liking him way more. Like, especially the last episode, because it just seemed like it was a lot of stare-downs where they did a nice job showing that Magic was more flash but and, and could play, but Bird was just so focused all the time on, on beating him or working harder than him that I cared more about the Celtics. And I said that with the Bird origin story, that – I, I'd, I'd like to see a winning time that just focused on the Celtics at this point. Maybe that's what they'll do next and give me two seasons <laughs> of that instead of the, instead of the Lakers. I think they did that because of what was to come. Like they were setting up this amazing yeah. storyline yeah. and it was yeah. going to have some depth because of the Lakers were about to beat the Celtics in the future a couple times. They were going to match up again a couple times and you know, they, they put all that in in white letters on your screen in the last 50 seconds of the series. Thanks a lot. I think you were the only one who cared more about <laughs> okay. the Celtics. I think by all the right. time it ended, I think I actually cared the most about Pat Riley. Like I wanted to yeah. see that guy's right. that guy's journey continue, but we won't unless there's a spin-off called Riley, which would be fantastic <laughs> and I would totally watch it. Some good news. Police in Las Vegas made an arrest this week in the murder of Tupac Shakur. Tupac was killed on September 13th, 1996. Do you remember where you were? Absolutely. Um, I was, it was the beginning of my sophomore year at the University of Dayton. I was walking back into my dorm room. Um, and as I'm walking down the hallway, everyone had the TV on and I went to my room and sat there, just turned on the TV and just watched it unfold and uh, in disbelief and sadness. No, I mean, I was probably ripping a gravity bong or something and <laughs> got, a, got a little bit hazy. So wow. I don't remember where I was. I uh, just, I, rem- I remember it happening. I just don't remember where I was, but there was a, that was a fight night. Right. So I assume I saw that yeah. fight. Yeah. I had to have Tyson watched that fight. fight. Yeah, yeah. I had to have watched that fight. I had come back to our apartment that we were living in our sophomore year of school at Miami and had turned on the TV, gotten myself something to eat, and I was probably getting ready to watch Goodfellas because that's what I normally did when I came back from, like, a night out. Um, sophomore year of college, I watched, like, the first hour of Goodfellas before the drugs come in. And I remember, like, I saw it on MTV News. Like, Kurt Loder uh, came on and told me that Tupac was died. And I remember just being, like, crushed. Like, you got to be kidding me. If Tupac had lived... He'd only be 52 years old right now. Where do you think Tupac would be today if he had lived? Is he like Snoop? Is he like Dre? Is he like Will Smith with, because he was a pretty accomplished actor as well. None of the above. Who's Tupac if he's alive in 2023? That's a really good question. Because Snoop kind of, everybody loves him. And everybody loved Will Smith. The difference was Tupac spoke more about political issues, socioeconomic issues. He was more of a mouthpiece than any of those guys were. So if he were alive today, I, he'd probably still be fighting those fights and hopefully would have settled down the bravado. And I mean, that that's what got him killed, the chest pumping and the, the loose lips, man. But I, I think he would have been really involved in his communities in trying to uplift them because it seemed like he was trying to do that, just going about it a little coarser at the time than, than most people 
wanted to. He was dangerous, but so was Snoop. And those people aren't dangerous anymore. Yeah. So I, I right. think he'd be a little more accepted. And he was a really, like, he was a really good actor too, as well, um, for for that time period. So I'd, he'd probably be doing a bunch of stuff, but I doubt he'd be doing cooking shows with Martha Stewart. I think he'd be a little more politically motivated now than uh, than he was then. But he'd probably still be fighting different fights uh, just for the advancement of his issues and who he sees as his people's issues. That's what I think, because he was a, he was a mouthpiece where most guys were scared to talk like that. He wasn't. This is a really good question. I think Tupac Shakur, he, he was an amazing writer. He was an, he was a, he was getting into acting. He was a good actor. This is a guy that I don't think he would have felt full, so to speak by any one of these outlets. Like I think he would have continued to release albums. He would have, yeah, he continued to release albums after he was dead for a decade. That's true. <laughs> Still is. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So um, he would have continued to put out albums for sure. Uh, he would have written books. He would have gotten in, into more and more films but i think at this point his he was an activist at the end of the day uh and he, his mother was too and he came from that that's how he was raised and i think he would be while still putting out the art the 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 poetry the the hip hop the acting i think he would be a regular guest on some show about his activism like he would he would be taking sides on all the the hot button issues and and be looked at as someone to speak to that side of it because that's who he was uh, at, at the heart of it all. And that's what drove, I think his, his artistic side, to be honest. It's really hard to see him comparing with any of these guys for exactly that thing is I think he would be and, and continue to be an activist. And so you'd see that, but I, I, I look at him mostly kind of in the Dre role where Dre is still very, very much a, a part of hip hop. And, and I think Tupac still would be too, I think he'd probably be doing the acting too, but I don't know. He was always more hip hop than an actor to me. Uh, whereas like Will Smith almost entirely gave up on hip hop and, and became an actor. I, I, I wouldn't see Tupac making that kind of move, but it's a shame, man. I, I'm mostly just shocked by the fact that he'd only be 52 years old. Like that dude is not that much older than us. Hard to believe that, that when he died, he was that young. That's awful. All right, let's, Let's try to lift the mood a little bit. Let's talk our good news story of the week. Bud Tash of Colorado was hiking with his dog when he found out he won the lottery. After getting his two and a half million, Bud bought himself a watermelon and his wife some flowers. Scale of one to five. One being that guy in the social media clip yelling on the golf course that we all saw last week. Five being a concert featuring Bruce, Zach Bryan, Dolly, and Taylor Swift. How legendary is Bud Tash. Can't believe he blew the whole thing in one day. <laughs> That's a five, man. Like he, he won all that money and got a watermelon and some flowers. I love it. Good job, Bud. I try to put myself in Bud's shoes. Like, what would I buy? <laughs> it probably would, would it be a much rarer fruit than a watermelon ice? <laughs> but maybe simple man, simple pleasures. Good for Bud. Um, that is pretty legendary that just flowers and a watermelon because I'd probably buy a house and a car and then maybe look at passion fruits. Maybe I'd go that way, but I'm not sure. It's a five for sure. You got to know that's a guy who's very comfortable in his skin, knows what he wants from the world, that he gets, you know, life-changing money. And the first thing he does is buy himself a watermelon. I love it. Bud Tash is now my favorite guy. All right. Why don't we check out some things going on in the Cleveland community? We're going to start in Solon, Ohio. A 36-year-old male contacted police after his fiancée hit him during an argument. 
Then her mom showed up at the house and she hit him too. The fiance was arrested for domestic violence. The mother-in-law will be arrested for assault. What's your one word hot take for how this upcoming wedding is going to go? <laughs> Tense. It's a good one. <laughs> Drama. You got to love it. Drama. Regrets. Regrets yeah. is going to be my yeah. one word for these guys. Mistake. All right, let's <laughs> let's head out to North Royalton, where Jeez, a all woman the places was, I lived. I yeah, know. Right. it wasn't even an accident. <laughs> I, I thought about looking for Erie. <laughs> a woman was pulled over after tailgating a police officer for a significant distance. When first questioned, she said she wasn't drinking. Then she showed the cop a package of small liquor bottles with several missing. She also told the cop that her friend had previously had weed in the car. Then the cop oh, found no. a bag of weed in the car. She failed the sobriety test, but blamed that on the fact that she was wearing high heels. While being handcuffed, she went limp and fell to the ground. Which arrest avoidance move do you think was her best? <laughs> uh, probably uh, falling limp to the ground. Isn't that your move? <laughs> no. snap someone's ankle once you're down there um the, this is terrible this is absolutely terrible i i, I really love that she was tailgating the cops because that's their move i'm like yeah yeah, yeah. yeah mother see how they you like this lights in your rear view mirror while you're trying to drive uh it went south from there so uh she had no good move maybe the falling limp at the end sounds like she should have hooked up with bud from denver and just had watermelon in the car <laughs> instead of little airplane bottles of booze oh, uh they're, they're there's no good move there. Little bottles, not big bottle. Not that you should have any of those in the car and openly drink them. Blaming your friend is the best move because there's no one there to corroborate it. And she can just keep saying, it's my friend's, it's my friend's weed, it's my friend's booze. So that's the best move. I'm with you. I think it was blaming the weed on your friend. I, that's a solid move. That might hold up in court for her once this whole thing is sorted out. Um, all right, fellas. It's almost soup season. What's your favorite kind of soup? Last couple of years, stuffed pepper. Ooh, I'm uh, I like this. A good one. It's got it's there's got to be a little chill in the air for it. It's hearty. It's a real meal. It's not just like one bowl and then off to a main course. Like you can you can eat stuffed pepper soup for a while because I'm a big noodle guy. So it's basically just pasta for me. It's just another form of pasta. <laughs> so, so I'm gonna say stuffed pepper soup. If it's just soup, it's Italian wedding soup for me. For the same reasons Chuck just mentioned, right. it's like a meal in a bowl, right? Yeah. Like you, get, yeah. you get the meatballs, yeah. you get a yeah. bit of the pasta, that yeah. kind of thing. Uh, it's if it's a combo, the the grilled cheese and tomato soup is up there. But I, if it's just oh, soup, yeah. Italian Italian wedding soup for me. Tammy makes a like a potato soup with like onions and leeks, and um, sometimes with like sausage in it too. Oh man, maybe there's some fennel in there too. Oh, that's good stuff. Uh, I'm looking forward to soup season. Although it was 80 today in Michigan, so maybe it's not yeah. actually soup season. It's Hot pretty spacho. warm right now. <laughs> Some yeah. cold Guardian. soup. <laughs> Guardian. <laughs> no, no. All right, let's close things up. Best new septuagenarian rock song of the week. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen's Addicted to Romance from the She Came to Me soundtrack or the Rolling Stones' Sweet Sounds of Heaven with Lady Gaga and Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder? was Where was Stevie Wonder on that song? Playing the piano. Playing? Yeah, okay, playing yeah, because yeah. I didn't, I didn't hear his voice. Sorry, girl, but man, the Stones are on a heater, dude. That's another quality song from this album, and it seems like these songs are from different generations of their history, 
This sounds more of like the Gimme Shelter era where you have the female kind of wailing on the song. A little long for my liking, like, like six or seven minutes. But again, I am convinced that is AI, not Mick Jagger, because he sounds <laughs> even better. He sounds even better than he does on Angry. Uh, so that's the better of the two songs. I'm getting really excited to hear a Rolling Stones album in 2023. And that that's scary for me right now. <laughs> I like both of these songs, but Chuck's right. It's the Stones. And I will be honest, I have never in my 46 years been excited for any Rolling Stones album. <laughs> and I am currently excited for a Rolling Stones album that's coming out when these guys are set in their 70s and 80s. I enjoyed that it was seven minutes long. I liked that there was kind of like a fake ending to it. And then it kept going yep. like, all right, that was cool. It was good. I love me some Bruce, uh, but there is no arguing against uh, this Rolling Stone song. I'm with you guys. I, I had the same thoughts exactly that Mick Jagger can't possibly sound this good right now. So hopefully they never tour on this thing. Uh, but it was a really fun song. It almost sounded to me like a gospel song. Uh, really, really cool. Really enjoyed it. Uh, the Bruce song is great too, although it does sound an awful lot like um, he did the soundtrack song for The Wrestler. That might have been like 10 years ago now, eight or 10 years ago. It sounds an awful lot like that. So I'm in on the Rolling Stones, too. And, fellas, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning that Travis Kelsey's podcast suddenly jumped to number one last week for no reason anyone can explain. <laughs> With that news, that only one of us is eligible to date Taylor Swift, and the total lack of effort to date is frankly embarrassing. I hope you guys have a great week, and let's get together and do this again real soon. Absolutely. Get on it, Phil. Let's go. Come on, I thought, Phil. I, I thought you were talking about Burke. Do it for the show. bigger problem here that we're seeing and he i don't know if i'm a stefanski believer i just don't know that you know they're going to lose this game but it doesn't matter you could you could put johnny unitas and steve young and joe montana and tom brady and dtr and josh Dobbs back there and it's always going to be the same and that's what worries me you think that there is this um it's another one of the Brown psychology things. It's like we win a game and we're like, oh, fuck, this is it. We got to figure it out. We're going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> and we lose a game and it's like, fuck, this is a disaster. We got to fire Stefanski now while we've got like the young talent still and stuff like that. And I think that you're, what you're saying is it's kind of like this middle, far more reasonable area, which is. Gosh, you know, even when they win, we kind of complain a lot about the play calling, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, are we sure yeah. that he's even doing a good job in the games that they win? And like, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. That, and that's the problem. Yeah. They were tough. four games in. It's up and down. And that's to be expected with the injuries that have happened and who's not yep. playing. But, you know, like there's just he's the antithesis of Francona. Francona, steady. Not that I'm, I don't mean demeanor wise. Like Francona always did things for the betterment of the players around him. And sometimes I don't feel that, especially when it comes to quarterback play. When it, Stefanski, you know, like yeah. I'm surprised he's not lobbying to get Kirk Cousins here because he, co you know, like I, 
I don't know. I just can't believe that a fifth round rookie was expected to run the same play script that Deshaun Watson would have. It's insane to me. It was insane. And I'm watching it on my phone in Pittsburgh. Like what, what, like, what the fuck is going on? Poor <laughs> bastard. I mean, like, and every time I looked up, that he got his, uh, he's going to be sore as fuck tomorrow. He got his ass yeah. Oh, yeah. handed yeah. to him. Yep. And I'm not saying Harbaugh is a great, like, they're always going to have an aggressive D, but at that point, they get up two touchdowns. They're just pinning their ears back and coming yep. after him all the, and that's, that's what happened. And there was nothing to negate it. And what I like, like watching it from the other way on my phone, you know, Harbaugh and whoever his defensive coordinator are, they did a pretty decent job neutralizing Miles Garrett, kind of you know like the Herb Brooks school. Like you take their strengths and and played against them. Like they let him be overly aggressive, and that's why some of the ground game worked for them. Yeah, a you lot know, of those like delayed handoffs yeah. and yep. stuff like yep. that, right? The draw plays and stuff. Yeah, it just it just worked for them. And I didn't think until like I saw that touchdown pass that Lamar Jackson was throwing great balls. But he threw like two or three that were unfucking real, yeah, like perfect yeah. passes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. perfect. But, but overall, I mean, he was just it, it, again, it's just like the Steelers. It feels just like the Steelers game. There's no way they're going to win going into Pittsburgh on Monday night, and why should I expect them to beat the Ravens early in the season at home with injuries? Yeah. So yeah. Well, I'm not mad at them. I'm just I'm just disappointed. Expected it. Just disappointed. Yes. <laughs> I expected them just to be a little more creative than they really were at least on the offensive side of the ball i think i mean we were talking a little bit chuck about how different today was than the baker mayfield shoulder injury too where like they're like they're gonna rest this starting quarterback because yep. they bought him an extra yeah. week of of recovery yep. because yep. stefanski and all the coaches on the team know that they only have jobs next year if Deshaun Watson leads yep. this team to a winning record, right? That's Absolutely. it. That's the yeah. only way they have jobs next year. Oh, oh, poor man. Jets, man. Poor I Jets. Know. Like Just as excited about the start of the season as Browns fans were, I think, and just yep. as cursed as the Browns. And Yep. Oh, God. Well, that's a nice play by... Oh. Is that Wilson? The guy from Ohio State? I don't know where you're uh, at in the game. I just saw a long pass completion. And yeah. Then they, then they flashed to Aaron Rodgers in the booth next to Taylor Swift, I think. I don't know. Aaron Rodgers has got to be so pissed that Taylor Swift is there taking away his camera time. I know. Is Kelsey not playing in this? Oh, there he is. Yeah. No, he's he's playing. I mean, I've had the TV on for a long time, and I haven't seen one Taylor Swift shot yet. The hell's going on? She's there with like Blake Lively and um, her Let's guy. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess they're best friends. Ryan Reynolds le leaves a pretty rough life, huh? Yeah, <laughs> his, yeah. His wife's best friend is Taylor yeah. Swift. Watch Patrick Mahomes tonight, man. The dude yep. never gets hit, man. He knows he just knows how to get out of the way or get down or get out of bounds without taking a shot, and that he gets to he gets to play every week. And that like Watson, I don't know. He needs to he needs to learn that. That's a good point. Holy I, shit! I... Touchdown Jets! <laughs> oh no! Oh, you're like Zach one Wilson play. There is it not is. the problem. Nice. Keep it going, Who's Jets. I, I need the Chiefs to be throwing <laughs> the ball. Um, I don't know who was that number number ten. Oh. Lazard. 
Zach Wilson's still trying to score touchdowns for the Jets, and he just hit – Oh, the guy dropped it. He hit a dude yeah. who was wide f***ing open running down the field. Zach Wilson is not the problem in New York. <laughs> He's part of the problem. Um... Boy, the Jets really did have a shot here, man, and it kind of came to part came apart in the last few minutes, but this oh, ended wow. up being a really good game. Yeah, this is uh... – so maybe the Chiefs just they don't have it. I don't know. Their defense yeah. is playing better than in years past, but again, like if you're not throwing it to Kelsey, you're who are you throwing it yeah. to? There's a whole yeah. lot of and Pachenko's turned into a really good backer. He's a good running back, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? I, I, even yeah, if I go to the clam bake, I can record Saturday. Whatever works for you guys, you, I'll I'll make it work. All right, cool. All right, fellas. Okay. All right, brothers. Hey, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Yeah. All right. Have a good Thanks. night. All right, boys. Have All right, love one. you guys. See you, fellas. Funny. Funny like a clown? You didn't use you?